0: Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the GeoMob podcast. Today, I am delighted to have Joana Samos as a guest. Joana has been a speaker here at GeoMob Barcelona, which is where she lives. And she's also the organizer of GeoMob Lisbon, which is where she's originally from. Welcome to the podcast, Joana.
1: Hi Ed, thank you very much for the invitation, and it's certainly a pleasure to be here.
0: You're quite unique in that you're a regular at Geomob in Barcelona. I think you've attended every single event that we've had, and um, besides also being a speaker at one of the events. You're also an organizer of Geomob, but you also have a lot of connections to London because you did your PhD at UCL in the geography department there, which is where we've hosted many GeoMobs in London. And it's, also, of course, a source of many of the GeoMob speakers that we have in London. And finally, you're also very active in the uh, the PhosphorG community. And you were one of the organizers of PhosphorG in Portugal a few years ago. So I think you bring a, a very relevant perspective. Tell us, let's, let's start with Barcelona a bit. You've lived in Barcelona for a while. What's your impression of the t- Geo scene in Barcelona?
1: What, what I observe here in, in Barcelona is that there is a strong split between the the locals and the the foreigners. So it seems that in the geo scene, the locals are more working in uh, public institutions, like uh, public organizations, while the foreigners tend to work more in startups or foreign companies. And the phenomenon that I observe is that there seems to be very little mixing between these two communities. I I don't know if you also... Yeah, um,
0: as a foreigner who came to Barcelona about five years ago now, it's a challenge. It is a challenge to integrate with the local community. Not because people are in any way unfriendly. Actually, the people are very friendly. First of all, there's usually a language barrier to a degree, but also it's just people are very busy. You know, people are busy with their lives and have their community and their set of friends. And so it can be be a hurdle to overcome that, I find.
1: I think even in terms of events, there seem to be like sort of, Parallel events. So, some events that are more target more like the the local community. And as you mentioned, there is a language uh, thing playing a role here. And then there are other events that are more targeting more like the foreign community, like Startup Grind, uh, this sort of thing. And I I think it's very welcome. Events like uh, Geomob are very, very welcome because I think they bring in a way, they bring these two communities together which is a bit unique.
0: Yeah, well, that's really one of the key focus points that we've always had with Geomob is that we want it to be a very broad mix of people from be it public sector, be it startups, be it hobby projects, be it, you know, big big tech companies, whatever it is, anyone who's doing something cool with Geo. I also think, so sometimes actually, I, I would love to have more speakers come from... London, where we have a very active community, or or say, from Germany, and come and speak in Barcelona. And one question came up about that, and people asked about, well, you know, what language is Geoma Barcelona in? And so I think we just clarify for our listeners, the events are always in English, which in some ways actually makes things easier here in Barcelona, because, of course, we have two languages here, Catalan and Spanish. And you know, it's not always so simple. The divide between the languages, and and I think by having an English, a of course, it opens it up to foreigners who live here, but also people who want to visit. But also, it serves as a kind of a neutral base between the Catalans and the Spanish. So, wh- how long have you been in Barcelona?
1: Nine years, though. No? Yeah. Okay. Do you, so do it's you, quite a while. <laughs>
0: you, do you feel like a foreigner, or I guess being Portuguese, the culture is not that different, or
1: I would say I'm more in the foreign side. Yeah. I feel more like a foreigner still, yes. Okay. Even if like uh, culturally I might be a bit closer because we share some common ground. But I think in terms of community, I feel a little bit more in the... And I integrate better in the the foreign community rather than the local community, yes. What about yourself?
0: uh, uh, Clearly, I fall in the (laughs) foreign community. Uh. Uh, what what are some of the different geo roles that you've had here in Barcelona? What are you know, you've been active in academia, also in the open source side of things? But but tell us about some of the different jobs you've had and some of the projects you've worked on.
1: I've worked for local companies, but also for foreign companies, and I worked as a data scientist, but mostly I've worked as a data engineer or software engineer. So I I have experienced quite a few different roles. Year.
0: I guess when, when you presented at Barcelona a couple, I guess that was last year, you um, presented your own kind of hobby project, which was about finding local find people to do find me a coin to present local people to do transactions with. But now you're working on a new project. It's called Earth Pulse. What, tell us a bit more about that. What is it?
1: The main product of Earth Pulse is actually a program for digital transformation aimed at large companies and organizations. So, so the goal is to Bring new technologies, including, but not limited to, to deep tech. So things like uh, deep learning or cloud computing. But the idea is to foster innovation and also to improve, let's say, the overall efficiency of the companies. And I think the, the unique thing about this program, is that it's that is it builds capacity from within. So sitting together with the people from this organization and working with them in their problems during the duration. Of, of the program. So maybe the geo component here is, I think is important to stretch because myself and uh, the co-founder, we have a background in earth observation, remote sensing, geospatial analytics. So obviously we are targeting companies who, which are already using this sort of data or could benefit from using. Sometimes they are not using this type of data, but they could benefit to use it.
0: Hmm. Are, are companies receptive to to making this sort of transformational technical change, or is it more companies want to stick to the tried and true?
1: Yeah, I mean there there are some challenges, mostly because large organizations they are very large. So maybe one part of the company or the people who are the let's say the manager, the leaders may agree with this and may see that this is like important for the company, but then sometimes there, there is resistance from the people who are working daily with the technologies that they are, they be using for long, and they don't always see uh, that they would benefit from learning new things or using new things. So there is like, I think more than anything, there is a cultural mindset challenge here, which is very important to, to tackle.
0: I think that's always the case, though, with, with technology in general, but particularly in geo, we've had so much innovation over the last couple of years be it on the data that's available be it on the technologies i mean when we look at how rapidly you know the various open source technologies are developing but you know it seems like every week there are new things being announced by all kinds of different companies it's hard to stay on top of right and and so it's difficult to know like okay when should i when should i jump and make a leap to a new technology or is that you know should i wait until it gets more stable or is it you know is it going to burn out and and in one year it'll be you know something no one remembers. It, it's its always a challenge.
1: Yeah, I think it's a risk to do something like that, because uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it may be a cost. I mean, if you adopt a technology that it's uh, not yet mature, you may benefit from it, but also you may find there are bugs and they uh, result in delays in your projects or wasting more time, money. So I think a high degree of risk in doing, in being an early adopter of technology.
0: Okay. Last year, you also, after the first few GeoMobs here in Barcelona, I was I was very happy because you came to me and said you wanted to start hosting the event in Lisbon, and uh, you actually hosted one event last October. And, and uh, the schedule is our our next event will be coming up in June. Tell us a bit about the Geo scene in Portugal. How does it compare, say, with with London, with Barcelona? How did the first event go? Give us give us your impressions.
1: So the, the Geo scene in general. I mean, I've been involved mostly in the free and open source community. The phosphor geo community in Portugal for the last 10 years. And I've seen it actually growing a lot and changing a lot. So it's a very positive outcome. In the beginning, when I started, it was mostly people from public administrations. Mm-hmm. And there were just a few people, you know, very small group. And now I see more and more people jumping into this. There are a lot of startups r- related to, to the geo geo world, obviously, because Lisbon is exploding now as a a tech hub and a startup hub, so this is also noticeable in the, in the geo-scene. So, so there is a lot of interest. And even in the frequency, uh, a number of events that are organized, I mean, apart from Geomob, there are other events from the free and open-source community, there is the SASI, there is Geocamp. And I see these events attract more and more people and a more diverse crowd. And I think this is this is very positive, and, and I, I, in my opinion, this trend will continue in the upcoming years as, as Lisbon is becoming more and more important in the technology scene.
0: Yeah, I know. Here in Barcelona, you know, the cities are in some ways kind of similar, right? In that they're both kind of on the on the water, and I mean, in some ways, people in Spain like to always compare Barcelona to Madrid. But I think, in in terms of the tech scene, in many ways, actually, Lisbon is with the more is the rival of Barcelona, right? I guess also in terms of attracting foreigner foreign companies that want to have a Southern European headquarters and things like that. So I think it's it's, it's fitting that we now have GeoMob in both cities, so that. That we don't have to. The competition can carry on within Geomob as well.
1: Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, Lisbon is very attractive to the digital nomads like Barcelona, because it has a mild uh, climate. It has cultural offer. It's kind of trendy city. It still has some. The prices are not as high as in Barcelona or Madrid, which is positive. And I think both digital nomads, uh, entrepreneurs, and also large corporations right now, they are very interested in, in Lisbon. And I certainly agree with you that it could be an alternative to Barcelona in, in many cases.
0: Yeah, and so you mentioned you helped organize the, the G there a couple of years ago. So I guess that was like two years ago, three years ago.
1: Yes, um, it was two years ago,
0: yes. There are many companies and public bodies switching to open-source software for their geo work or in Portugal? Or is, this, is it just there's a hardcore community of people who like it? Or, or what's, what's driving the change there?
1: Yes, there are many companies and, and public institutions. I wish there were more. And I also wish that they were switching for the correct reasons. So I think uh, in Portugal, maybe in, in other countries, it's the same. Uh, a lot of people turn to, to open-source as, as a free alternative to other types of software so they they see it mainly as an economical gain so they don't have to pay for this Uh, but there's many other things in, in open source which are interesting and attractive. and I, I, I think this is our role as a OSG, I'm, I'm part of the organization, to actually tell people that there's more in open source uh, apart from the price.
0: Well, that's interesting because it's, it's the same on the data side of things. So, you know, at OpenCAD, my geocoding service, a lot of people, the initial appeal is, of course, just the cost. Because, you know, because we don't have to pay for the data, we're able to offer it economically at a, at a much better price point. But then once they're in the door, what very often happens is people, you know, then at some point people run in, they'll have a question or they'll find a problem or they'll say, oh, this address isn't correct or whatever. And then at that point we start the dialogue with them and we say, well, you know, of course we can we can fix that for you, but actually you can fix it yourself and it'll be much faster. And then with some of them you actually do get kind of the the aha moment where they're like you know, holy shit, I can actually fix this, right? I can participate and I can, yeah, obviously that doesn't happen with everyone, but we do get that with some customers. So are you seeing that on the software side as well, or?
1: Yeah, totally, um, totally. I, I think it's a matter of people thinking that when things are free, they don't cost money. It doesn't mean that they cannot contribute in other ways. In fact, they should contribute in other ways. So when ways, as you said, with, uh, with time or, or with effort, this is a way of cre- keeping the project alive, because in the end, uh, open source projects are projects and to survive, they need contributions from people. So I, I think it's a matter of sustainability in, in the end. All right. And I, I think it's probably the same with OpenCage. I mean, either you receive a financial contribution from your customers or you need to receive like a another sort of contribution, right?
0: Yes, well, we often we have people who contribute kind of the software, the SDKs and things like that. And then those people, of course, we we give a a significant discount to or find some other ways to collaborate with them. So as as someone who's been been active in the industry for a while and, you know, in different countries and things, what what are some of the major trends that you see that kind of get you excited now? Be it here in Barcelona, be it in Portugal, be it worldwide in general. What are what are the things that in the geospace that you're excited about?
1: Yeah, I, I, I wanted to mention something. As a person that's always non-geotech sure. industry, I observed this sort of pattern that uh, in the geo world, things seems to come with a sort of a delay. So the the most disruptive trends, the most cutting-edge trends in the tech scene, they seem to arrive a bit later to, to the geo world. And it's interesting to see uh, things like, for instance, uh, cloud computing or... Machine learning, these these kind of things, they start to appear in a uh, in g which is the place where I, I, I go when I look for for new trends. But they appear after they were already like widespread in the in the tech world in general. To me, this is uh, people in the geo world. They are sort of a little bit closed, and they they don't. There's there's sort of a lack of communication between these these two worlds. So I, I wish there were more people to bridge this gap between uh, tech general tech and Geotech.
0: Well, that, I don't know that, if you will share this. I do know to a degree what you mean. I wonder if that's a function of the fact of, you know, people working in for local government or things like that. It's probably not the most, you know, it's more about delivering a high quality service than it is about being at the cutting edge and innovating. Um, I don't know. For me, that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Geomob in London is that on the one hand, we do have all these people who come from the very formal GIS background and you know, these are the kind of people who, they're like, okay, this is the correct way to do it, and we have to do it this way, and it's not about, you know, they bring a wealth of experience. But we also get the, the hobbyists and also the startups who, and this is something I'm excited about here in Barcelona, is it's, it's not about getting startups who are building Geo products. It's more about getting startups who are using Geo as a core part of their service Because I think that's where the innovation happens. People are like, oh, well, I want to do this for my users or for my customers. And let me just figure out a way to do it. And if I can do that using the traditional tools, fantastic. But if I can't, I need to find a different solution. And then I also think, I mean, the other, of course, mega trend is that mobile. Mobile is still so new. Like, it's only been one decade that everyone has a kind of a supercomputer in their pocket. And I think we're only now kind of waking up to what that means for the geospace in terms of always knowing where people are, where the assets are, how can we collect that data, how can we crowdsource that data, how can we combine that data with other data sets and do really cool things.
1: I totally agree with that. I, I mean, I think uh, the GIS in general, uh, geospatial uh, technologies were quite were, were kind of a niche some years ago. And suddenly, because of the GPS devices, the portable GPS devices, they they have like a huge role, like a main role in the in the tech scene right now. Because most of the data that we have is actually geolocated, right?
0: That's so correct. Uh, I mean, most almost all data now that's being collected by any tech company exactly. has a geo component. So you know that then opens up the doors to all kinds of experimentation.
1: Yeah, it's so. a very exciting uh, time to be to be working in uh, geospatial technologies. I think.
0: So I guess by, before we wrap up, I did want to talk about one final thing, which speaking about kind of creating the future, you actually are in a new role now where you're CTO of a company that's doing code school, trying to help people who are kind of switching into technology in kind of a boot camp style setup where they, where they quickly learn and get up to speed on, on programming. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, and why have you moved away from Geo? And do you see a model like this for the Geo space, or tell us a little bit about
1: it? Actually, I I don't see it uh, as moving away from Geo, so I'm going to explain why. I've been, in fact, teaching in the past years, the recent years, because this is something that I enjoy very much. And most of the time, I was teaching topics that were somehow related to geospatial analysis. So uh, my initial contact with this uh, code school, code op, was actually regarding the preparation of a bootcamp in uh, data analytics. And okay. as part of the content of this uh, bootcamp, th- there was a model in uh, geospatial analytics. So this was something that I had in mind. In the meantime, I got more uh, involved with the school because uh, this is a, it's a project uh, that I really like. I, I, I'm really interested in this project. So I ended up taking the role of CTO. But I'm certainly deeply committed to span the offer of the school in order to include bootcamp in data analytics. Uh, so it's already being prepared. And I think the first batch uh, will start uh, in March. And there is a, a model in geospatial analytics. Uh, and I think this is very interesting because this is not something that I see in the competitors. So many bootcamps are focused uh, in uh, front-end and back-end te- technologies. Sometimes they're focused... Uh, in some cases, they offer something in in data analytics, but I don't see many of them using just spatial analytics. And I think, in, from my experience in, in industry, this is a field in high demand.
0: Yeah, yes, I agree. I mean, the the amount of data that's being produced is not is, is only growing. So, do you think there's more and more need for people to help? You know manage all the data analyze the data draw insights from the data and of course as we as we said just a minute ago you know the vast majority of data now has a spatial component so that's obviously a key way to do the analysis and to, yeah, to try I, to get value from i it. mean
1: regardless so. regardless you are working in uh, iot uh, so with the uh, devices or if you are working with Session networks. I mean, all this this data is uh, some uh, some sort of uh, location tag. So I, I think it's very very relevant to be able to to use this data to ingest it and 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 to process it in order to extract uh, insights.
0: I agree. Well, that's great. Maybe um, maybe hopefully at some point in the future at a GeoMap Barcelona, you can come. Give us an update on this project, on you know teaching a geo code school. You know what what the insights are that you've had, and and what are the skills that people are gaining and benefiting from. And I look forward I, I to would, that talk. I would so. love to do that. Yes. All right. Well, we're about out of time today, uh, Joanna. But as we wrap up, maybe you can share how can people get in touch with you if 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 they want to learn more about your projects.
1: Sure. My Twitter handle is double byte, so byte is b y t e and. Uh, my my website is doublebyte.net you can can reach me there
0: perfect we'll make sure of course that those get into the show notes as well all right well thanks very much joanna i look forward to seeing you at the next geomob barcelona and geomob lisbon
1: thank you ed thank you
0: thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the geomob podcast hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman you can follow me at fryfogle You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and, of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.